been away. Haven't changed, had much to say. But man, I still think that. Today at our first hearing, to ask the fundamental question that this body has failed to ask three years ago where did COVID 19 come from? Did it come from a natural spillover, transferred from a bat to an intermediate source to a human? In other words, did it come from nature? Or was it the result of a laboratory or research-related accident? In other words, did it come from a lab? This question is fundamental to helping us predict and prevent future pandemics, protecting our health and national security, and preparing the United States for the future. This question is not one that should be dismissed out of hand, and it cannot be taken lightly. And it must be investigated thoroughly, responsibly, and honestly. This gripping drama. <laughs> no, nobody has ever accused uh, Dr. Brad Renstrup, uh, Congressman Dr. Brad Renstrup, of being a um, highly excitable motivational speaker. He just says what he says. But pretty serious subject matter yesterday, the House Special Committee having a hearing on the origins of COVID-19 and having a couple of people who have become very, very famous, including former CDC Director Bob Redfield up there to talk about, um, you know, what his theory is and several others as well. And, um, you know, basically asking the question that, you know, we've been asking for, you know, what, three years now, uh, where did this thing come from? Did it come from a wet market through natural sources? Or, you know, did it evolve on its own in the wild? Or was it manufactured in a lab in Wuhan and then, oh, no, <laughs> you know, was there an outbreak? Was there a leak of some kind? I mean, there's a more sinister version of that, which is not the, oh, crap, what'd we do? It's the, <laughs> look what we did. Yeah, nobody's really advocating for that, okay? Um, but the two theories that it was developed artificially by scientists working on what's called gain-of-function research to make a thing more transmissible or to make it more lethal or virulent, depending on, you know, pathogenetic is um, in the phrase that Bob Redfield likes to use, um, you know, or, again, did it evolve naturally? Well, that's the issue. COVID-19 has both a binding domain optimized for human cells and a furin cleavage site or a small part of the virus that makes it so infectious. That has never been seen before in a SARS-related virus. In other words, COVID-19 has unique characteristics that made it very infectious to humans. These have never been seen before in any other viruses of its type. And that's one of the pieces of evidence in favor of it having been designed. Um, Brad Renstrup, uh, on the other hand, who is, you know, or, um, uh, Sorry. Uh, and, and also then the scale. Excuse me. I was thinking about the Democrat who spoke next. But uh, then the scale of the thing makes it look a lot unlike anything else that we've ever seen. Most viral outbreaks are slow and small. CDC data shows SARS infected approximately 8,000 people worldwide and eight in the U.S. Similar with MERS, which infected approximately 2,000 people worldwide. But COVID-19 was primed for human transmission. It has infected more than 750 million people worldwide. Dr. Redfield, one of our witnesses here today, a virologist, has even said he believes COVID-19 had a detour from nature to be educated how to infect humans. All right, so what did the various people say? Well, Dr. Jamie Metzl, uh, who is, I won't give you all of his background, but like, I mean, he worked in the Clinton um, uh, State Department. He worked for uh, uh, Joe Biden on the Foreign Relations Committee. He's got a long history in, you know, working in government, in science, 
Second, while the question of pandemic origins remains open, there can be no doubt that a research-related origin remains a very serious possibility, if not a distinct probability. There is no smoking gun proving a laboratory origin hypothesis, but the growing body of circumstantial evidence suggests a gun that is, at very least, warm to the touch. The, those feeling otherwise also deserve to have their perspectives and research carefully considered. We should all be open to evolving our views as new evidence emerges. Everyone working in good faith to follow the evidence, wherever it leads, is on the same side. Those working to prevent this type of investigation are not. This edition of When Scientists Try Their Hand at Metaphors is brought to you by, <laughs> by Literature 101. No, um, that's right. The, the basic problem that you've got here is that <laughs> from our perspective, and I say that because you have no idea what the Chinese know, uh, from our perspective, there's no evidence. There's no evidence of the thing in the wild that would indicate, as you would expect, that something had been running around in the vicinity of Wuhan, naturally. So we do not have that. And there's also no evidence that it came out of somebody's highly controlled beaker somewhere inside of the Wuhan lab. We don't have either one, meaning the smoking gun, right? There's no bullet. There's no fingerprints. There's no, you know, what you've got is kind of residuals and circumstantials. Right. And the circumstantials are all we have at the moment. And it's because there's no proof one way or the other. And so the question is, well, what do the circumstantials tend to argue in favor of? Uh, Nicholas Wade uh, was up there. He's a former science editor at The New York Times among and editor of like was it Nature magazine, I think, or Science magazine, one of the two. Anyway, uh, here was his thought. I'd like to touch on two issues of interest to committee. Where did the SARS-2 virus come from? And why are we taking lab leak ideas seriously only now instead of three years ago? When the epidemic first broke out in December 2019, natural origin and lab leak were two equally reasonable explanations. But if the virus had emerged naturally, it should have left many telltale signs in the environment. None has yet appeared despite the Chinese government's keen interest in finding them. As each month passes without such evidence, the natural origins idea has grown steadily weaker, it seems to me. Right. You can understand how if somebody were trying to cover up and hide for the fact that it was developed artificially in the lab, they would get rid of that evidence. It's hard to explain why there doesn't seem to be any evidence of a naturally occurring virus running around in the wild despite every attempt we make to look for it. For lab leak, on the other hand, the evidence has been a building. Here are two of the, two of the three strongest pieces of evidence in favor of lab leak. First, the epi epidemic broke out not in some random Chinese city, but right in Wuhan, home of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. We know that scientists there were genetically engineering coronaviruses under seriously inadequate safety conditions. And we know that viruses escape from labs all the time. Clearly, lab leak has to be a strong possibility. In fact, uh, Bob Redfield later on talked about having to shut down a research facility in the United States because he thought it was being done in an unsafe manner. And if it's possible for a lab in the U.S. to need shutting down because things are not being done to the best safety protocols, is it possible <laughs> that a lab in China was also being conducted in a way that was not highly secure? Well, sure. And it's worse than just that. Second, that possibility became much more concrete with the recent surfacing of a grant proposal by the Wuhan researchers and others. They applied in 2018 for a $14 million grant from a Pentagon program called Project Defuse. 
The essential ingredient of SARS-2, as the chairman has said, one which makes the virus so infective is a small genetic element <clears throat> called a furin cleavage site. Wuhan researchers said in their grant proposal that they would insert this very element into a group of coronaviruses. And not only would they place the, and not only that, they would place the element at a very specific point on the virus's genome called the S1-S2 junction. Now the DOD turned the proposal down, it was too risky even for them, but the researchers may have done much of the basic work already or could have found other ways to finance it. So they put out a proposal to get some funding, and the funding was going to be to develop a thing that looks an awful lot like COVID-19. And lo and behold, later on, there's a COVID-19. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's still all circumstantial. Okay, could you be just really bad luck? Okay, really, oh, no, <laughs> they're going to think we did it. Well, or, or we did it. I mean, right, That's those are the options, right? And so uh, he talks about that. A year later, the SARS-2 virus appears on the scene, and guess what? It possesses a furin cleavage site, the only known member of its large family of viruses to do so, and the cleavage site is posi positioned right at the S1-S2 junction. Why should evolution produce at that very time and at that very place a virus of the exact type described in the defuse proposal? It's surely much easier to believe that the Wuhan researchers did exactly what they proposed and generated the SARS-2 virus in their lab. I don't know about you, but I have never heard so many sciencey people talk so much about cleavage. Uh, four, three, seven, sixteen, twenty. I'll, I'll read you. I, I do not pretend to be an expert on this. You know, I, I try to be honest about the things I do know and things I don't know. Uh, there is a difference, <laughs> lots of difference. Uh, here's from an abstract about the furin cleavage, like uh, a research uh, paper on this, um, talking about its its necessity for transmission. The SARS-CoV-2 entry requires sequential cleavage of the spike glycoprotein at the S1, S2, and the S2 uh, prime cleavage sites to mediate membrane fusion. SARS-CoV-2 has a polybasic insertion at the S1, S2 cleavage site that can be cleaved by furin. Using lentiviral pseudotypes and a cell structure... <laughs> you see, I'm not going to explain this. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to give you that, like, this is, you know, pretty high level, um, you know, microscopic research that these guys are talking about, and it's certainly not my domain of knowledge, so I have to go with what they say, and, you know, the case that Nicholas Wade makes is pretty strong to me. Bob Redfield basically says the same thing. Look, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to believe that it came out of the wild. Um, it's a much more likely thing that this came because people were doing gain-of-function research in a lab in Wuhan, and that would explain why... And by the way, he was very careful. I thought Bob Redfield, one of the things that he did that I liked was he said, look, the people who believe in gain-of-function research, and you do that in order to learn how to defend... A, you, you create a worse thing than exists in nature in order to defend against the worst thing if it ever actually happens, which would be great if it teaches you how to defend against the worst thing. It's not great when you just create the worst thing, and then that gets out and kills millions of people. I mean, that's the problem. And he says, look, this is the best evidence, you know, or this is the the negative downside risk of doing gain-of-function research, which he thinks should not be allowed. There should be a moratorium on it. He says, um, this pandemic is the best example of why we shouldn't do it because that's what happened. So it's, you know, I don't know that, I mean, they certainly didn't settle the debate yesterday. 
And the argument on the other side is, you know, things like that it has a similarity to a lot of other coronaviruses, um, that it looks a lot like other ones that are out in the wild in some ways. Okay, in some ways. Um, and that there's no concrete evidence of the lab leak. There's no concrete evidence either way. That's the basic problem. So you have to read between the um, the actual data points. And then, of course, the the allegation has been that the, the initial reaction by several virologists, scientists studying this was um, this came out of the lab. And then the leadership in the United States, like Fauci, got involved, and several days later they totally changed their mind. And then they went on an aggressive campaign of persuading the American public that it arose naturally. And that the, you know, everybody who brought up the counter theory of it coming from the lab, that was very discouraged or shadow banned or actual banned or, you know, right? And so there's very much the feeling on behalf of the people who think that it was a lab leak um, that that viewpoint was never allowed to fully investigate or air itself. And therefore, you know, there's evidence of a cover-up. Well, it could be that the other folks just thought there was one view and it was important for the American people to believe the view they thought was right. Also a possibility. So where do I land? I, I say lab leak 70-30. Knowing very little about any of the actual underlying evidence that would justify that. But going on, you know, what I heard yesterday was fairly persuasive to me. 524 on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. At Mucinex, we don't believe in cold and flu season. We only believe in comeback season, which starts with 12-hour relief. Just one dose of Mucinex DM provides 12 hours of relief for cough and chest congestion day or night. That's three times longer than those four-hour cough liquids. So say goodbye to cold and flu season and hello to comeback season with Mucinex DM. Nothing lasts longer among over-the-counter cold and cough medicine. Get relief that lasts with Mucinex DM. Use as directed. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering professional-grade industrial supplies, plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Tune in today at 10.30 to the Pensacola Expert Panel when Juanita Scott and Kathy Van Dyke will be on the show talking about Pensacola State College's International Festival, a family-friendly inaugural event happening April 15th on the Pensacola campus. Enjoy food, music, dance, and novelties relevant to the cultures found around the world. Tune in today at 10.30 to hear more. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. From county commissioner meetings to the blues, Andrew covers it all on your morning drive on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. See here? Yeah. This is us. <laughs> and all the way around here, peachy. Mm. You can't get any further away before you start coming back. you twice on this this bump in didn't didn't recognize truman show and didn't know the joan jet song all right all right 
know? Joan Jett and I have a history. Oh, all right. Well, fair enough. I'm sure. Oh, did she write this herself? <laughs> no? Is there okay. surveillance video? 526 <laughs> Maybe. You have that Bushwhacker fest. That's right. I'm Andrew McKay. Good morning. Great to have you with us. David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is in the hospital today. Spokesman for the Kentucky Republican says McConnell was admitted to the hospital after he tripped while attending a private dinner uh, late Wednesday at a hotel in Washington. The spokesman said uh, McConnell's receiving treatment at the time. Deliberations are resuming today for the sentencing of a man convicted of running down and killing eight people on a New York City bike path. Sefulo Saipov was uh, convicted of driving a rented U-Haul truck down Manhattan's west side bike path on Halloween back in 2017 to raise support for ISIS. And the uh, first president of the Navajo Nation has died. Peterson Zah, he was the chairman of the Navajo Tribal Council in the 80s. Uh, when their tribe's government restructured, he became the first president. People have been paying tribute to him all day. Uh, although it's only 530, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you got me. It's a good one. <laughs> when copy says one thing, and you're like, oh, that was probably yesterday. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. All right, David, thanks so much for the update. 528 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Uh, Matt Gates, uh, our congressman, gave a uh, floor tribute yesterday to Louis Bear Jr. Madam Speaker, it is my honor to rise and celebrate the life of one of the greatest Florida men to have ever lived, Louis Bear. Louis was a legend for all times. He was a prolific businessman and an even more prolific philanthropist. Lewis was CEO of Florida's oldest privately held company, the Lewis Bear Company. It was started by his grandfather in 1876. He grew this small family grocery distribution business to one of Florida's largest beer distributors. So if you've cracked open a beer in my district, there's a pretty good chance that Lewis moved it. Yeah, that's true. And he went on. His generosity did not stop with libations through the Lewis Bear Family Foundation, he donated tens of millions of dollars to local organizations and charities, including hospitals and nonprofits focused on curing childhood cancer. He single handedly protected the Deepwater Horizon oil spill settlement funds for Northwest Florida and saw that the money was used for lasting economic development. I know that he will be sorely missed by our family by his, Bell Bear, their three children, Lewis, Cindy, and David. Northwest Florida will never be the same without Lewis Bear. We are certainly grateful that we had my friend for 82 years. I yield back. Um, and it's, I mean, that's good. Most deserved, most appropriate. I, I wasn't, that was is, great. I, so I have believed, and I thought, it, I you know, I just have to go back and check, uh, but Pensacola Hardware was the oldest business in the state of Florida. So there, there must be some nuance of, privately owned or something. I don't know what it is, but um, maybe it was not continuous in the same way. I'm, I'm not really sure. But still, two of the oldest businesses in the entire state of Florida, right here in Pensacola, obviously, and uh, certainly all of the uh, rest of that very accurate. And one thing, just, you know, kind of understanding the people of all this is, you know, the Gates family, very, very close to the Bears. Um, you know, you've heard some of the clips I played you from, um, you know, Matt Gates's dad, Don Gates, former Senate president, had a triumph at, well, at the time. Um, and, and, you know, so their closeness on this is historical 437 1620 um david wayne what do you have coming up your news sir well some students got sick after eating edibles reportedly at uh, pine forest high yesterday we'll tell you more about that after fox
News. I'm Chris Foster. The Russian military launches an overnight barrage of missiles and drones in Ukraine. At least six people were reported killed with others trapped in rubble. More than 80 Russian missiles and eight drones were involved in this onslaught, described by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky as miserable tactics. Critical infrastructure and residential areas have been hit, although Ukraine says it shot down 36 missiles. Large parts of the capital, Kyiv, have been left without electricity. Fox's Jonathan Savage. Three Los Angeles police officers are reported to be in stable condition, shot during a standoff. Suspect who was on parole is dead. The LAPD used canines, beanbags and gas to try and arrest him, but the suspect barricaded himself inside of a garage. A SWAT team then broke through his barricade and moved in on the suspect. Fox's Brooks Singman. Police have not said how the suspect died. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. It's 531 News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. 66 right now, partly cloudy in Pensacola. An investigation underway at uh, Pine Forest High School after some alleged reports that multiple students got sick after ingesting edibles yesterday. Now, according to the Escambia County Sheriff's Office, one student was taken yesterday to the hospital. Deputies say they believe all the students who got sick yesterday may have ingested edible gummies. The Sheriff's Office still investigating that incident. The teenager charged with making several swatting calls to Milton High School just over a year ago is now in custody in Santa Rosa County. 17-year-old Brad Parga was flown into the Pensacola airport last night. Channel 3 had video of him being escorted by Santa Rosa County deputies out of that terminal. Uh, He now faces a felony charge in Santa Rosa County of making false reports of using a firearm in a violent manner. Also a misdemeanor charge of disrupting a school function. Sheriff Bob Johnson says there could be additional charges for Parga as that investigation continues. A Daphne woman has died after a crash in Baldwin County. It happened earlier this week on Tuesday evening. The Alabama Law Enforcement Agency says 76-year-old Gail Cooper was killed. The vehicle she was riding in was hit by a truck. Happened on Alabama 181 near mile marker 10, and troopers say Cooper was pronounced dead at the scene. The driver, Donald Cooper, was taken to the hospital to be treated. ALEA continuing to investigate. A Polk County student is accused of stabbing a classmate. Winter Haven's Aliyah Parker was arrested yesterday after allegedly stabbing a 14-year-old during a fight at uh, middle school there in, uh, in Polk County. The victim was taken to the hospital. There is no word on their condition. Sheriff Grady Judd says the 15-year-old is facing serious felony charges. Daylight savings time is coming right up this weekend, and uh, if you want to avoid losing some sleep, start now. Gordon Bird has more. For many of us, springing forward just adds to sleep deprivation. Tampa Bay Area Sleep Specialist Dr. Michelle Zatuni says you should start going to bed earlier now so you're ready by the weekend. It's going to be dark. We just have to decrease our amount of light exposure that we get, get into bed a little bit earlier while we keep our wake-up time the same. If that doesn't work, she says hydration, exercise, and avoiding alcohol can help with post-daylight saving time lag. I'm Gordon Bird. Thank you, Gordon. And uh, Governor Ron DeSantis is accusing critics of a hoax over new rules on school library books. He says new state rules against woke content did not, in fact, ban books about baseball legends Roberto Clemente and Hank Aaron from the Duval County School District in Jacksonville. The Department of Education went to, I think it was Duval County, said, hey, wait a minute. 
you have a beef with Hank Aaron or Roberto Clemente. Where are you getting this? And the governor is accusing school district employees in Jacksonville of promoting a false narrative with the story. He says law, state laws do require teaching of African-American history, and that includes slavery and Jim Crow. He also showed explicit sections of books with LGBTQ themes that he says were found in school libraries. Uh, it is 534 News Radio 923. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather. It's going to be a nice, warm, and humid day with temperatures rising near 76 degrees. There will be an isolated chance of a stray shower today, 20% chance of rain overall, otherwise mostly sunny skies. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 68. Rain chance increases slightly as you go into Friday in the afternoon and evening, otherwise mostly cloudy with a high on Friday near 80 degrees. Friday night, temperatures drop into the 50s, 55 degrees for your low. Sunshine returns for Saturday with highs in the low 70s. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. It's partly cloudy. 66 in Pensacola, 69 in Gulf Breeze, and 62 in Milton. Our next news at 6, breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. News Radio Pensacola is your source for informative, local, dependable news and talk. Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay gets you a breakdown of the local issues from the county commission meetings to new developments. Have talk gets your local expert opinions on everything from gardens to HVAC. Brian Kilmeade interviews the national newsmakers. Dave Ramsey helps you become debt-free. Pensacola right now infotains on your drive home. Local and Fox News at the top and bottom of every hour. And traffic on the fives during your drive time. News Radio 92.3. Informative. Local. Dependable. Parents usually know if their children will argue over their inheritance, but this can be prevented. I'm Wesley Odom with Armand Advisors. No one wants to see their wealth wasted away because of poor planning. I've assisted several clients with estate planning ideas and sometimes have served as trustee or executor upon their death. Give me a call at 497-6167. Armand Advisors is charting a better course. Spring is a great time of the year for gardening, whether it's fertilizing the lawn, pruning, planting shrubs, and summer blooming plants, and of course, tending to that vegetable garden. This is Mike Wiggins. If you've got spring gardening questions, we've got answers on the News Radio Garden Line every Tuesday morning at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. And if you miss us on Tuesday, then catch the Encore Edition every Saturday morning at 9. It's sponsored by Pensacola Hardware, Blue Sky Landscaping, and Barnes Feed Store. When breaking news hits, we're there to cover it. Fox News, WER-TV, News Radio Team, on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Ribbon cutting on March 8th at the Sanders Beach Playground. Uh, that's Wednesday, March 8th at 3 p.m. Uh, we got a, a new playground uh, at 913 South I Street. And I can say uh, Caroline Reeves has tested this, has pilot tested it. Uh, that's my neighborhood playground. Uh, and I believe it got a five out of five. So I'm um, so excited uh, for that. And, and it looks really, really good. I mean, I'm really excited for the public to get a chance to see that and experience it. Oh, <laughs> that's great. I love that. Mayor D.C. Reeves in his press conference on Tuesday talking about the ribbon cutting that took place at the park yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool. Mayor Reeves joined us yesterday. Uh, welcome back to the show, sir. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Has been tested. <laughs> Kid tested, kid approved. I love that. Um, right. one, there was a bit of a news note yesterday, a couple of news notes over the last couple of days related to things the city is doing. One is, um, I guess, uh, Monday, and I don't really watch the CRA, so I apologize. I'm a little bit behind the curve on this, but uh, PNJ's got an article out about this Belmont de Villers building, the old uh, Smith's Bakery. That's the northeast corner of Belmont de Villers, that big building with the murals on the side across from Dwarf and across from Five Sisters. What's going on here? Yeah, so ultimately, um, you know, we had heard word that there was a you know foreclosure pending this month uh, potentially on that property. And Reverend John Powell, who's made such an impact uh, in uh, our community as a whole and certainly in, in the Belmont de Villers neighborhood, you know, helping out children and all these different things, um, you know, that, that property has the old Smith's Bakery on there, which is, is one of the 11 uh, to save in the state of Florida. It's been designated as that, uh, you know. And so, um, you know, when you hear foreclosure and, and you wonder what's the future of that and, and knowing that um, someone could purchase this and, it, and uh, not, you know, we could lose some of that his- history and certainly the neighborhood, and that's such an important intersection in our city, um, could lose any say of what happens from this point forward. So, uh, you know, for the generational future of the block. So, um, we, you know, we're trying to step in and see if there's anything we can do, if we can help shape that future and work with the Reverend at the end of the day. It's his property, and, and if he can raise the money in these last few days, great. That's awesome. You know, uh, that helps us uh, achieve a, a line goal. But if not, uh, what we're really looking to do is uh, make sure that, that uh, uh, that we can preserve the history of that building and also preserve the history of the future of that neighborhood for generations to come. What would your picture be? What would the what would the you know DC Reuse Magic Wand future be for that building? Yeah, um, look, I I think it's um, it, obviously we talk so much about affordable housing and and so when you're talking about a parcel of that size over two acres, you know we're we're looking for opportunities uh, to uh, invest in uh, attainable housing around the city. You know, whether that, I mean, think about that. It comes in many forms. I mean, a, a developer comes in and says, hey, we'll make X percent of units, you know, affordable if you'll give us X tax abatement, you know, those kinds of subsidy opportunities. Well, this would just be another version of that. But the truth is, you know, what we want to do is get in and listen to Reverend Powell, listen to the community members and say, what is your vision for this place? And, and of course, it's going to have to fold in logically with a public-private partnership. But, um, you know, I think we can really accomplish two key wins here. One is the true historic preservation, and two is uh, to solve a need, uh, you know, with attainable housing and, uh, you know, keep the character of that community and keep, um, you know, again, such an important intersection uh, for, for our city, for uh, that neighborhood, decades and decades of history. And, uh, you know, we just I, I just felt like this is if you have a CRA, what is literally a community redevelopment agency, this is something that should be pretty high on the list. Uh, you know, when you talk about a project like this to make sure uh, that the future is bright for whatever happens. Yeah, I mean, you would think that's kind of like uh, bright line a zone of what a CRA would be able to work on would be something like this. I agree with that. 
Uh, you made a kind of an oblique announcement yesterday in your press conference where you said that the monument to women veterans, and I assume you actually meant the uh, museum to women veterans that currently occupies the Amtrak, the old Amtrak building, the railroad station, um, that they are wanting out of their lease. Um, I actually tried to get in contact with uh, Michelle Caldwell yesterday. I wasn't able to reach her. Um, do you know what's going on? I mean, it seems like a backtrack for them. And, you know, do you know whether the, is the monument still on the, like, where are we at with those two projects? Yeah, I, I don't have a ton of details on their side in terms of, you know, uh, future location or, or, you know, the future of the project. Um, you know, we had had some conversations about, um, you know, the future of, of the lease of the building. And, and, um, and then you know, we received this letter uh, on March 3rd. Oh, well, it's dated March 3rd. We received it, I believe, on Monday um, to say, hey, you know, we're looking for, a, you know, a, an amicable, um, you know, to be let out of the lease. And certainly we're, we're going to uh, honor that and work with them uh, any way that we can, both in that request and, you know, certainly open-minded about, um, you know, the future, if, if a monument was going to be in a park or, you know, anything like that, um, you know, we, we wish them nothing but the best. And, um, you know, and I made the point uh, in the press conference that the coincidental conversation around Amtrak and passenger rail, you know, the first question I, I assumed that I would get was, well, is this, you know, been egged on by uh, the potential right. of Amtrak to come to Pensacola? And I said, first off, you know, that would be years from now anyway. And second off, the, the lease as it stands right now already had a clause included that if passenger rail returned, uh, that, that uh, the city would be able to retake the building. So uh, that, while coincidental, that's really a moot point. That has nothing to do with uh, you know, this decision. And we have, obviously, at this point, no, uh, no future potential plans for that building or anything like that at all. We just want to, uh, you know, we have people wanting to do good in our community, and, and this is what they believe their best next step is. Uh, we would certainly want to work with them and honor that. And, and frankly, um, you know, the way I envision it is if we ever were to get rail service back into that building, that would be only to the good for the Museum for Women Veterans. That would be that would be lots and lots of traffic through their their uh, their use of that facility as well, right. you know, to the degree that they could be made compatible. It was one of the other things that came up um, yesterday in the press conference a little bit. You were asked about the area that Skanska had been using there on the waterfront as laydown that, of course, now their operation is, you know, into its final phases and getting ready to depart. Uh, there'd been talk about the city trying to acquire that whole thing, what could be used, what could be done with it and all of that. And uh, I know this is sort of like, you know, big picture, maybe pie in the side type stuff, but do you have an intent to try to pursue that? Is it more of an open to ideas phase? What's your thinking about that property? Yeah, well, you know, to repeat myself over the weeks, you know, I'd say my largest paranoia is missed opportunity. And, you know, uh, the, at the end of the day, Property on the water in the city of Pensacola is extremely finite. Um, so I, I do think, kind of like the conversation about truth for youth, I think it's the duty of the city of Pensacola to look at opportunities like that when we know um, that uh, that it's not, it is not infinite. <laughs> We've got that. So a 21 and a half acre parcel uh, on Bayou Chico in the city limits, um, it, it certainly has its limitations. Right, this is not deep water uh, the way that Port is. It's got a bridge. That uh, something that would have to get under, but um, you know we should be looking at every opportunity, and so certainly that's uh, you know it hasn't left more than conversation at this point, but it's uh, something that we're considering, uh, you know, looking into at least doing our due diligence and seeing if you know, something can make sense. And and part of that due diligence is 
you know, who can we partner with? Uh, you know, what kind of funding can ha- come from that? Uh, whatever project that we would propose, you know, what, what, what kind of partners would that be able to bring in? So something may work out with that. Something may not work out with that. And, and again, it's this private property. They could sell it tomorrow and not to the city and, and it'll be the end of that conversation. So uh, it, it is our duty to look into what we think are, uh, are strong opportunities for the city to, to grow and expand. Um, so we are doing that and, and we'll see what happens. Uh, but really at this point, just conversation. Very good. We always like to end on a lightning round, have some fun questions for you. Uh, some of these we use in our frivolous topics at 835, by the way. Uh, first one for you is when you're at the line in the grocery store and the conveyor, do you put the barrier between you and the person, do you put it behind as a courtesy or do you uh, do you wait for them to take care of that? I'm usually, uh, since I don't have time to go to the grocery store, I load up the entire conveyor belt so I don't have the <laughs> ability to do the, the courtesy. Can't, behind, you know, can't uh, reach I, it. I help put the one in front, though. I'm proactive I got on, you. on the front. I don't expect them to put that one for me. All right. You, you don't wait on the courtesy of others. I, I got you. Um, sweaters cool. hung up in the closet on a hanger or folded on a shelf or in a drawer somewhere? Hung up on a hanger because then I I run through a, a drawer like the Tasmanian Devil and then it's like, oh, I can't wear it. So anything that's hung up is always going to be preferable to me. You do get wrinkles that way for sure. Last one uh, earlier this week it was a National Eat an Oreo Day. Question from Mayor Reeves: Everybody wants to know what's your way of eating an Oreo mm-hmm. cookie. Um, I, I know it sounds boring. I'm just the uh, you know traditional bite. I, I don't. I don't unscrew it. I don't, uh, you know, nothing unconventional. I just uh, eat it like a normal cookie. I wish I had a better, more exciting answer for you. If if this makes you, this will either make you feel better or terrible. Same for me. (laughs) Absolute same for me. (laughs) Completely ordinary approach. That's right. Mayor D.C. Reeves, (laughs) always a pleasure. So we look forward to the city council meeting tomorrow night uh, and talking to you next week. Thank you for the time. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Candy, tell, tell, tell him what you just tell me off the air. We were listening to the end of this again, and she looks at me and she says... Okay, so yesterday when he said that, he was talking about sweaters about the and sweater, hanging them yeah. up. And we had that as one of our frivolous topics. Right. And Andrew won't hang his sweaters, and I don't either, because we've both gotten those little knots at the end that kind of misshape the, the sweater. The munchkin peaks. Right, the, right, exactly. They look like munchkin peaks. And he, <laughs> he made this face, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Planet of the Apes, but at the end where... Oh, what is the lead character's name? Zira. Oh, well, uh, Kira or Zira, but uh, yeah. Charlton Heston goes, "Can I kiss bright you?" Bright eyes. Bright, right? Bright eyes, of course. And and she goes, "Yes." And he kisses her. And then her partner, Ronnie McDowell, goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the face Andrew made off the air when, yesterday when he when said, he he said fo- hanger. He yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andrew goes, and I was like, oh my God, Planet of the Apes. What a great drop we can't really do on the air because it's just it's not without the It vision. doesn't, it's but the if visual. you can see yeah, it, you can right. see it. It was yeah. me, that's for sure. <laughs> that's Andrew's face. It reminds me of the, uh, you've seen the meme that says, you know, people say that you can't hear sounds in space and they show you the picture of the... Uh, uh, X wings going down the the uh, the the canyon. The corridor, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. starting like false. <laughs> right, I can hear it fine. That's right. Long All right, well, that's that's enough of our movie reminiscences for the day, uh, for the moment. Thank you. <laughs> Five forty nine on News Radio ninety two three. I know we'll have more, of course. Um, hey, if you're thinking about that next vehicle, Frontier Motors, and you know they're good quality used cars. The idea of Frontier is that. You, you get a new car when it's not quite new anymore. Like, it's, you know, a year or two old. It's in great condition. It's almost new. It's just you don't have to pay the, the new car price. That's the theory, okay? And as part of that concept, they want to make sure that you get a car that, 
you know, doesn't have any issues. And, you know, their follow-up after the sale is really what sold me on them, even though I had already bought the car, if that makes sense. And that was because six months after we bought the car, our sales guy, uh, Calvin, he called me and he said, is there anything wrong with the car? And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with the car. Why are you calling me? You know, like, I don't understand. I've never heard, nobody ever done this before. A year after we bought the car, Calvin called me back and he said, hey, you know, anything up with the car? And I'm like, uh, not really, but there is this one thing, you know, like he had to pry it out of me. And it was that there's one of the physical keys didn't work. And I thought, well, this is the dumbest of all things. And he said, no, bring it in. We'll replace it. I'm like, sure. If I pay you 125, 30, 50 bucks, whatever. He's like, no, no, no. On us. You bought a car expecting two physical keys that you'll never use to work, <laughs> which is true. That's what I told him. I'm like, we're never going to use it because the fob worked just fine. He's like, bring it in. So five, 10 minutes after I was there, they, got, they gave me a key. That was it. I mean, that was, you know, I was like, hey, here's the car. He's like, hey, here's your key. I mean, that was the whole interaction. And um, so if they're going to go out of their way to find out if there's anything wrong with the car a year after you buy it and then fix it on them, I mean, that's the kind of place you want to go for a used car, right? So they are thinking that they want you to buy this car, the next car, the car after that, to trust them with all your car purchases because they're just fantastic. Serving the Pensacola community for more than 25 years. Frontier Motors right behind that big buffalo on Beverly Parkway. Be sure to tell them Andrew McKay says hi. Join Travis Thompson with Climatech of Professional Air, an American standard heating and air conditioning independent customer care dealer in the Pensacola area on the Pensacola Expert Panel today. At 9.30, join in as Travis discusses how you can lower your energy bill and create a healthy, comfortable home. Join Travis today at 9.30 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. The following message is sponsored by the Florida Department of Elder Affairs, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. Sarah is 64 and loves to garden. Recently, her health insurance ran out, leaving her worried about more than just weeds. She called the Elder Helpline and spoke with a volunteer shine counselor about her options. There, she received free, unbiased counseling on health insurance for those on Medicare. For more information or to volunteer, call 1-800-963-5337 or go to floridashine.org. Here's what's happening around Pensacola this week. The McGuire St. Patrick's Day 5K is Saturday, beginning at 9 a.m. The largest prediction 5K run in America. Come for the run and stay for the party. More at runsignup.com. Ever wanted to get involved at Pensacola Little Theater but weren't sure how? Join us Saturday from 10 till 2 for open house. Join in for snacks and tours every 30 minutes. PensacolaLittleTheater.com for more. Find more events and submit yours at NewsRadio923.com. The Dave Ramsey Show. Afternoons at 1. After Brian Kilmeade on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Someone help me. I- I'm still alive, only I'm very badly burned. <laughs> Actually, you'll 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 semi diminish your opinion of me after I tell you this, but here it goes. Nevertheless, I just always want to tell you the truth. Um, I had forgotten that Will Ferrell was in Austin Powers. 
I had forgotten that that was the character. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's so funny because he'll pop up in something and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, he's in yeah, that. He was in, in that. everything. He's in all Golly. Things. That's exactly he's right. The law in that was before late 90s. he was huge. Uh, 559 here on, or five, That's true. Yeah. here on News Radio 923. David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David? President Biden angry about Fox News host Tucker Carlson and uh, some footage he showed of the uh, riots at the U.S. Capitol from January 6th. Uh, In a tweet yesterday, the president said that over 140 police officers were injured that day and uh, wrote, quote, how dare anyone diminish what they went through? Carlson uh, showed a lot of videos on his program here a couple days ago. Uh, President Biden says that uh, the video was edited to make it look peaceful. The suspect believed to have shot and wounded three Los Angeles police officers is dead. An LAPD watch commander made that announcement yesterday. Uh, Those officers apparently were attacked during a search for a parolee. There's no word on whether that person was killed by law enforcement or took his own life. And uh, also in California, Governor Gavin Newsom there says his state is now uh, not going to be doing business with Walgreens after the company decided not to sell abortion pills in 20 different states other than California. Walgreens is uh, still selling the pills in California, but stopped selling them in parts of the country where state attorneys general say it's against local laws. Yeah, it's just it's it's a fascinating, you know, on the one hand, you, you hear the argument, well, if you know, uh, if you don't want one, then don't have one. But they're trying to coerce Walgreens out of a decision to avoid getting its people probably prosecuted. You know, is what they're saying is, look, we'll sell it where it's legal for us to sell it. We won't sell it where it's illegal for us to sell it. And Gavin Newsom says, no, 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 you got to stand up for things in other states or we won't do business with you. This whole it's amazing to me. David, thanks so much for the update. It's amazing to me the uh, the way the left thinks about ideology, that it's not just if. You don't oppose us, but you have to actively be fighting for our views every single time or you'll get canceled. I, it's fascinating to me. I just don't approach the world this way, and they really do. But not all, not all. I have some really good friends who are they're horrified by kind of this whole view of things, but there's an awful lot of I was talking with some folks uh, recently who were very liberal, and your friends, and that happens uh, a lot, and uh, they were kind of – it's easy for them to run through the list of, I canceled this person, I canceled this person, I canceled this person. I'm like – Really? <laughs> like, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, meanwhile, here I am, I'm like, you know, well, I still watch Susan Sarandon movies and Scarlett Johansson movies, and it doesn't bother me. I mean, it, you know, they have political views that I find completely abhorrent, and they say things in public when they're representing themselves that I think are disturbing. But I still buy their product because the product is fine, and you have to learn to separate the person from the product. Um, that's a thing that, what is that word we use? Oh, yeah, tolerance. <laughs> That's that word we use. 5.56 on News Radio 92.3. You mentioned the um, January 6th footage. I haven't watched uh, Tucker's show. Um, my understanding of the way that's being presented is that it's, um, you know, here's what else was going on in the Capitol that day. And I've seen some of the clips that uh, they've played of the, you know, there's nothing happening here. And like the, the, you know, QAnon shaman getting shown to the elevator or whatever by the cops and all that. Okay. I mean, I think I remember the first days after January 6th telling you that some of the video that I had watched was just people milling about in the rotunda, like kind of like tourists, you know, that that happened. That's not the important stuff. (laughs) I mean, that's that's not the bad stuff, right? The bad stuff. And, you know, for Biden to say the video was edited. Well, I mean, saying something is edited, it makes it sound like you've manipulated it. Um, Choosing the relevant portions to show 
you know, like I choose the relevant clips to play you on the air all the time of these three and four hour meetings. That's technically editing, but it's not manipulating. It's just showing you the stuff that is worth showing. Um, the stuff of people milling about. And if you don't show that, it's true. That can foster a narrative that it was all pure violence all day long, which, of course, it was not. Uh, but what good does it do to show you that, you know, there was a problem at the party where the cops were there and there was fighting and shooting, and then also there were a couple of hours before that or around that? You know, I mean, it's just I don't, I don't get it. There was, there was parts of the Capitol where there wasn't violence all the time, and there were parts of the Capitol where there was horrific things going on. Okay, I think we we knew this, so I'm not really sure what it accomplishes one way or the other. I will say this, Fox is having a rough week. Fox News is having a rough week after the Dominion uh, voting machines lawsuit against them for defamation, for continuing to perpetuate this myth of the election being stolen, that uh, now the texts have come out behind the scenes of nobody really believed that. They didn't, you know, and they had problems like Carlson can't stand Trump. And what wishes he could get to a place where he didn't have to talk about him anymore and, you know, doesn't want to talk about Sidney Powell, you know, says that she's completely unreliable. I mean, it's it's kind of weird because, of course, on air, this wasn't the representation that we were getting from like Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity and not so much. Tucker wasn't like heavy into the election denial stuff, but, you know, the stuff that we know they were thinking privately did not go on the air. Okay, and it seems to be, which is, by the way, common enough in media. Uh, It's not necessarily nefarious, but when it's the opposite of what you're saying on the air, you know, that's certainly questionable. And we'll see what the defamation trial brings out, and you know whether they're able to prove the malice standard. You're listening to News Radio 92.3 WNRP Golf Breeze Milton Pensacola. The dental license for Dr. Charles Stamatolis has been revoked. Also, a Daphne woman was killed in a crash in Baldwin County. We'll have those stories and more after this update from Fox News at News Radio 92.3.